Second reading is found in Ephesians chapter 2, reading from verse 1 to verse 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Hello, hello everybody again. Thanks for having me here today. It's great to meet you and be able to share God's word with you. And let me pray as we begin and let me secure this so it doesn't fall down in the middle of the talk. All right, let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thanks for our time together today. Thank you that you speak to us through your word and pray you be with us as we come before your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, yesterday was Halloween. I don't know what it was like out this way. There wasn't much trick-or-treating around my way. A combination of COVID and lightning storms uh, put an end to that. But uh, because it was Halloween yesterday, it means that today is something commonly known as Reformation Sunday. And it's a day which is celebrated by Christians across the world uh, to remember that day back in 1517 when the German monk Martin Luther uh, nailed a list of 95 things to the door of a church hoping to start a conversation about the teaching of the church. And uh, it's a day that changed history as we know it. Uh, it's a day that changed the history of the church. It's a day that changed the history of Europe. But more than that, it's a day that's also changed the personal history of so many people. Because one of the things that lay at the very heart of this Reformation that Martin Luther was seeking was the whole idea of grace. Grace. And that's what I want us to be thinking about this morning as we come to God's word. I want us to be thinking about grace. What it means, its centrality, and the difference it makes. Because it's really, really important to get grace right. Because if you get it wrong, well, you end up getting it wrong about Jesus and the whole Christian message. Grace is very, very important for us to get right. And you'll see that if you come with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2 that was just read out to us. And to begin with, let's ask the question, well, what is grace? Come with me in your Bibles to verse 8 if you can. 
And here the Bible says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. The Bible tells us that grace is a gift. Grace is a gift, and that means that grace comes to us for free. Because what's the difference between a gift and a wage? A wage is something you earn. A wage is something you work for. A wage is something you've done something to deserve. But a gift is totally different, isn't it? What do you do to deserve a gift? Nothing. When you, gift, when you get a gift for your birthday, when you get a gift for Christmas, you've done nothing to deserve it. It comes to you for free. You don't earn a gift. A gift relies on the generosity of the giver. The Bible tells us that grace is a gift. And why is that important? Well, if you have a look at verse 8 again, uh, the Bible also tells us that we are saved by grace, for it is by grace you have been saved. And what does that mean? Well, when does someone need to be saved? You need two things to need to be saved, don't you? Firstly, you need danger, like being caught in a rip. Anybody been caught in a rip before? Oh, Rick has. It's not good, is it? Right? Uh, you know, when you've been caught in a rip, you're surrounded by fire, there are wild animals outside your door, right? There's got to be danger. And the second thing you need is you need to be helpless. You need to be in a situation when you can't save yourself. They're the two things you need uh, in order to be saved. It's a bit like a fellow called John Castron uh, many years ago. He was a real estate agent from Melbourne and uh, he decided to go heli skiing in New Zealand one day. And there he is on the top of a mountain, heli skiing, having the time of his life, when all of a sudden someone shouts, avalanche. And before you know it, he finds himself under two metres of snow. Now, what would you do in his situation? Would you try to dig yourself out? It's two metres of snow. Would you try to scream for help? Would you try to use the force or something? I mean, what would you do if you found yourself under two metres of snow? Well, this is what he did. You know what he did? He did nothing. He did nothing. You've heard this story before. Well, let me, let me tell you what he said. Uh, he said, I thought I can't do anything. I can't scream. No one is going to help me. The only way I can try and survive is to lie very, very quiet and very, very still. And don't use up my oxygen. He decided to do nothing. Because he knew he was in danger. And he knew he was helpless. And he knew that the only thing that was going to save him was someone coming to rescue him. He knew he needed grace. And someone did. Uh, his son who was skiing with him had escaped the avalanche and was able to come and dig him out. Now, it may not feel like this, but we are all in exactly the same situation. We may not be under two metres of snow, but like John Castron, we're still in terrible danger and we can do nothing about it. And just like John Castron, we need someone to save us. Why? Because of sin. Because of the way we've treated God. The way we treated God by putting ourselves rather than God at the centre of our lives. And you might want to say at this point, Gary, we've never met, you've never met me before. How, how dare you say that? I'm not such a bad person. I think I'm pretty good. I'm not as bad at least as some of those other people around me, right? I'm not a murderer. I'm not a criminal. I tell the truth most of the time. I mean, what are you saying? Are you saying that I'm really that bad? Well, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that about all of us. Uh, because what we need to understand is sin is more than 
breaking rules. Sin is more than being bad. Sin is more than being immoral. It's that whole attitude where we put what we want and we think before what God wants and God thinks. And on that basis, we're all guilty of that. On that basis, we've all sinned against God. And what's the problem with that? There's two problems with sinning against God. Firstly, it damages our relationships with each other. Because if I place myself at the centre of my life and you place yourself at the centre of your life, what then happens when the two of us meet? What then happens when the two of us disagree? It's not going to be good, is it? And that's why people lie and steal and fight with each other and don't keep their promises and treat each other badly. It's because of sin. It's because of sin, but that's not all. Secondly, our sin also damages our relationship with God. God is our creator. He should be at the centre of our lives. But by sinning against God, it puts us on the wrong side of God and the wrong side of his judgment. If you go to back, back to verse 1 in our passage from Ephesians chapter 2, it tells us that we are dead in our transgressions and sins. We are dead before God. We are dead to God. We are cut off from God. Our relationship with God is ruined because of our sin. And this is the danger that we're in. And this is why we need to be saved. Because despite what some people think, we can't do anything about it. We cannot save ourselves. We can't do anything to get ourselves out of the trouble we're in. We actually need a saviour. We actually need grace. And you know what? It's because religion doesn't work. It's because religion doesn't work. Now, that might be a bit surprising coming from me, being an Anglican bishop, to say that religion doesn't work, but religion doesn't work. Because uh, what is religion? In a nutshell, religion is a man-made system of rules and regulations if you, that where if you do these things, you earn merit with God. All right? Go to church, tick. Take Holy Communion, tick. Get baptised, tick. You know, walk a lady across the road, tick, right? You, you get enough ticks, you get to earn enough merit, and all of a sudden you might be able to do enough to get into God's good books. That's religion. It's a bit like paying down your mortgage, except the currency is being religious. But here is the problem. The Bible makes it very clear that the bank of God doesn't accept that currency. That you can't pay down your debt that way. That you can't earn your forgiveness. That you can't do enough to make, get your way back into God's good books, no matter how good or moral or religious you are. You cannot win your own forgiveness. You cannot deal with your own sins. It's just like trying to dig yourself out of two metres of snow. You cannot do it. And actually trying to do it actually makes things worse. And this is why grace is my favourite word in the world. Because the grace, the gift that comes to us from God, gives us that which we could never achieve for ourselves. Our salvation, our forgiveness, a fresh start with God and the promise of heaven. All of these things come to us through grace, from God, for free. They come to us, verse 9, not by works or the things 
that we do. And why is this a good thing? Why is this so good? Well, if there's one thing that you take home today, let it be this. That being a Christian, being forgiven, set free, made right with God, becoming one of God's children, able to look forward to heaven, that all of this doesn't rely on us or the things that we do. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to maintain a certain standard to keep it. All of the good things that God wants for us in salvation comes to us as a gift for free. Why? For it is by grace we have been saved, not by works. And if you're anything like me, it is a tremendous relief to know that. I mean, the whole idea that my eternal destiny, my relationship with God, my forgiveness, that all these things somehow would lay in my hands and in my performance and my ability to consistently be the person that God wants me to be, the the mere thought of that is terrifying. Because I know myself. I can't even be the person that I want to be, let alone the person that God wants me to be. I mean, imagine living that way. Or just imagine for a moment, growing up in a household where your parents treated you that way, where you had to meet a certain standard to be their child. You will only be my child if you behave a certain way, maintain a certain standard, you fall along the line and, sorry, you're out. Growing up in that household would mess you up. Why should it be any different when it comes to our relationship with God? And this is why it's so very important to get it right about grace. Because I've met so many people over the years as a Christian minister where when I've asked them, do you think you're going to heaven, have said, Gary, I hope so. And why do they say that? Well, it could be false humility. You know, They say, oh, I don't want to boast, I want to be seen as a proud person, so I need to hedge my bets at that point. It could be that, but more often than not, it's not that. It's because of the inevitable doubt that creeps in when your relationship with God relies even a teeny-weeny bit on yourself. On yourself. Because when you do rely on yourself for your relationship with God and your eternal destiny, it will undermine your confidence because you know what you're like. But here's the thing. It is not about you. It's not about performance. It's not about the things that you do and being saved and able to look forward to heaven have come to you as a gift. Then your confidence no longer lies in yourself but in the giver. The one who gives you that gift. And the Bible has a word for that confidence. And that word is faith. That word is faith. I mean, faith isn't a box you tick on the census. Faith isn't a a warm and fuzzy feeling. It isn't being spiritual. Faith is confidence. Faith is trust. It's something we exercise in everyday life. Every time you put on a seatbelt, you're exercising faith. Every time you take a Panadol, every time you make an online payment, every time you put on the mask or you sanitise your hands, you are placing your trust or faith in someone or something that they'll deliver on what they promise, that they'll do what they say. 
That's faith. Faith is trust. And it's exactly the same when it comes to faith in the Bible. And you'll see that if you come back with me in your, to our passage in verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, through trusting the giver of that gift, that grace. And what has God done that makes him so worth trusting and placing our faith in when it comes to our salvation? Well, how does God's gift of grace actually save us from judgment and sin? Well, the answer is Jesus, isn't it? The answer is Jesus. If you come back with me in your Bible to verse 4, uh, it says, uh, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. We were dead in transgressions, dead to God, dead before God because of the way we had sinned against him, facing God's judgment, the prospect of hell. But because of his great mercy and love, God saves us and rescues us and brings us out of death and makes us alive through Jesus. By grace. And how does Jesus do this? Jesus comes to be our saviour. Jesus comes to dig us out of the snow. Not by using a shovel or getting down on his knees with his hands, but stretching out those hands to be nailed on a cross. And when Jesus is nailed to the cross, he takes what we deserve for our sins on himself in our place, taking on our guilt and the full penalty of sin, while at the same time in that great exchange providing his innocence and sinless life as a gift to us for free by grace. Even though we've done nothing to deserve it, even though we had been the ones who had sinned against God, Jesus does this for us so we can be saved by grace. So, what do you think about grace? Do you love it? Do you love it like me? Do you think it's the best thing in the world? Or are you like many people and think it's a little bit sus? Because there's got to be a catch, doesn't there? It can't be that simple. Sounds too good to be true. I mean, it sounds a bit like a few years ago I was walking past a supermarket and there's a sign out at the front of a, one of the major supermarkets and it said, free milk. Free milk. Now, what would you have done? I love free. Free is one of my favourite words. One of my other favourite words is fried. I think everything tastes better deep fried, but that's a story for another day. But, you know, free milk. I'm thinking, this is great. But even a cheap person like me, I looked at and I went, nah, there's something going on. And what, what was going on was uh, there had been storms the day before and actually there had been a blackout in the shopping centre and the, and the refrigerator had been knocked out so they couldn't sell the milk anymore so they were giving it away for free. Right? I'm cheap, but I'm not that cheap. I'm not taking that, right? Look, we're all suspicious when we're offered stuff for free, aren't we? Right? We all know there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. That if you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. Uh, that if it seems too good to be true, it usually is. You know, life has taught us that. But I want to say to you today that when it comes to grace, when it comes to what the grace we find in the Bible that comes to us through the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no catch. There's no hidden clauses. There's no fine print. There is no strings attached. It only seems too good to be true because it actually is. And even though this has all come to us for free, it has cost Jesus his 
life. The grace that comes to us through Jesus to save us truly is the best thing in the world. And this is why we celebrate Reformation Sunday. And remember Martin Luther. It's not just about a major moment in history. It's about a return to grace. The grace that saves us. That lifts the burden of us to trust only in God. And, you know, this is my first time here at Richmond, so I don't, I don't really know any of you. But let me finish by asking you this question. If you haven't trusted in God, or you're not sure you do, whoever you are, do you think that you're going to heaven? Will you say yes? Or will you say, I hope so? Because if you trust God and his gift of grace, the grace he's shown us by sending Jesus to save us, then you can say yes with absolute certainty and confidence because you've understood grace and what Jesus has done for you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your generosity and grace shown to us at great expense through the life of Jesus. We just pray that we would never take this grace for granted, that we would remove any sense of trusting in ourselves for our salvation and security, that you would redirect our faith to you alone and your generosity and love for us in Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing our final song now, which is a great song that many will know, although with a bit of a twist on it, and it is about grace. In fact, amazing grace. Let's listen to this song. Change.
Yeah. 